add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare Looking after you always Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry Hello, welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, on this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined by the investigations editor of the Sunday World, Nicola Talent. It's around now, we do different types of interviews with really interesting people, and it's a Lessons of Life episode, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 minutes or so as I chat with Nicola. She's no stranger to the world of podcasting, with her massively successful podcast, Crime World, winning Podcast of the Year at this year's News Brand Ireland Journalism Awards. Nicola, a very big welcome to the show. How's it going? Good. Thanks, Carl, for having me. Yeah, I think our, our listeners will be surprised by our choice of guests this week, and I'm really interested in chatting to you to see how it goes. Talk to me, I suppose, to get started. How did you get into the job that you're in? Was it something you always wanted to do or was it something that came as per chance? Where where did the, the passion for it come from? Certainly wanted to be a journalist anyway. Um, I don't think um, I was totally focused on crime journalism. That came when I started working and um, I just started getting posted onto jobs involving crime stories and realized I really enjoyed and found them fascinating, really. Um, so I returned to college some years later and did a HDIP in criminology. And I suppose really that was all part of just me opening my mind up to the subject matter and all the aspects that go with it. So it was certainly journalism was something I knew from a young age, but crime journalism, I kind of evolved into it. And then, okay, chat to me about crime then. So how did you get into crime reporting? Uh, I think probably the start of it, the real start of it would have been covering the Gilligan trials, The as in the Veronica Guerin murder had happened and Gilligan's gang were brought back from the UK. They were tried in the special criminal court and I was covering that and I just sort of got this sense of justice or something from that. Um, and I got into it then there seemed to have been a lot of big crime stories or maybe there was just less murder or something in the country at the time I remember whenever there would be some big case would happen journalists would go en masse down to some particular part of the country and stay a good week while reporting on the things um, and you know that was you know not saying murder is good fun but the kind of the reporting and the camaraderie we had and all that was was part and parcel of the job. I just went from there. I was always interested in crime, organized crime, domestic crime, anything, you know, would have would have interested me. And I would have been reading as well alongside it and, um, you know, reading international stuff. And I continue to do that. I try and keep myself as informed as possible on my subject. And is it something that's changed a huge amount over the years? Well, it has really, I suppose. I mean, I think particularly the organised crime has developed and that's largely what I've been writing about in recent years because it's been so prolific in this country but um, it has just become very international. There was a time that you'd know, you'd be able to identify the houses of, you know, there'd be say a 
top 10 guys you'd be writing about or whatever. And they are nearly always guys, by the way. But you'd, you'd know where they lived and you'd know maybe where their kids went to school and you'd know this, that and the other about them. But now they're most of the, the top guys are abroad. They're far afield. They're Dubai, you know, out way, way beyond Europe's borders now. So, yeah, it has become much more international, much more global. There's much more guns about, much more kids getting involved in, in drug gangs and crime. And I don't know, there just seem to be so many young children that are seeing it as an employment option now. It's almost becoming normalised within our culture. And do you feel uh, from a, a media perspective, obviously in terms of the writing that you do and with the podcast now as well, that there's a, a huge power to that uh, in terms of uh, exposing, tackling, discussing that, you know, you've got a, a huge platform to be able to to talk about a lot of these issues. Yeah, I suppose when you say that I do have a, um, a large platform and, you know, yeah, definitely I do. And I think that brings with it a bit of responsibility to try and not be black and white about it. You have to try and see the wider issues that cause it and how really all of society is to blame for for what's happening. We can't just compartmentalise it in particular areas. And I try to do that all the time and I certainly try to which sort of I've evolved maybe as well in my thinking and in my understanding of it over the years. And that's human nature, isn't it? We change, we evolve, we grow, you hope we get a bit better. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose that comes with life experience. Yeah, so chat me through that a little bit. And again, like we, everyone we chat to when we do these types of episodes will very much say that, you know, over the course of their career, you, you know, absolutely you evolve, you change. It's, it's a natural aspect from your own work and the work that you do chat us through that a little bit in terms of how we've evolved or your your your, your take on, on on the situations evolved yeah well i suppose you know it the mediums have evolved as well the journalistic mediums that are there like the newspaper the printed word is pretty cold in a way you know it's and especially in the way it can be crime can be presented it's a big headline it's a picture and it's probably fairly brutal basic way of describing the the story which may be um, you know, either a gangland murder or it may be an expose on a big crime boss. I think when we're moving towards documentary, towards audio, and I love podcasting, it gives you much more of an opportunity to just explore that a little bit further and to go back to, well, why did this happen? What are the factors, the influencing factors that were there, maybe at the beginning of this individual's life that led to them either being the victim of crime or being a young hitman hitman. I mean, when I see those kids in the court sometimes and they have committed the ultimate crime for money, um, you do have to question how did it this was once a little innocent child and how did this sort of person evolve from that and what happened to them along the way? And sometimes, you know, that can be a bit lefty. I mean, some people it doesn't, you know, something doesn't happen to them. They are just bad. But most people I've encountered, I have to say, um, they have just life has actually been nearly laid out for them and they haven't had the advantages, the same advantages that a lot of us do have. And I sort of always try and put myself in the position of well, what would I be like? I, you know, talk to a lot of people and they're living in particular areas and they it's not just where you're living it's completely and utterly it would I would think more importantly is the parenting and 
you know, kids who haven't been parented, who don't have anybody there looking out for them. There could be a lot of addiction in the household that could be going back generations and crime could be a natural outlet for them, a natural career plan for them. And sometimes they feel that they only have two options in life and one of them is to become a drug addict or the other is to become a drug dealer. I mean, they're the two options that they see going forward. And that can be a young kind of teenager that is that's all they can see. So you try and think that if you were that limited or you've you've you know that, that that's actually how you genuinely felt you were that limited, which one would you go for? I'd probably go for the fancy runners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I think I think most people would. I think it's a very fair, you know, you've two very you know. stark choices. Mm-hmm. Two very stark choices. And obviously everybody has more choices than that. It's not to say that they are the only choices. Of course, they're not. And when you look more internationally, really, about things, Ireland is a rich country and we do have a huge amount of trauma in our backgrounds. But we also have a lot of opportunities for people. We have free education. We have social welfare. We have things like that, that other countries that I would be sort of looking at where you have, you know, you have have issues of people going into crime. They just seem to have less. And maybe their choices are even smaller than that. And is that a society, you know, you're very much at the front line of a lot of this. Is that a societal thing that we need to look at to be, to give everyone more opportunities and more chances to break that cycle and break those, to get away from those two choices? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, every time we look at crime, we look at policing and do the police need more money? Do we need more police? But Policing is actually just one aspect of dealing with crime, and it's probably um, not actually the best one. (laughs) Obviously, it's needed in society, but there's been studies across the states and particularly in Baltimore that would suggest that actually properly funding and, uh, you know, community organizations equaling the kind of amount of funding that goes into policing, education, all that within those community organizations um, can have even more benefits than cracking down harder on crime. You know, you can you can just steer somebody away and create a far better human being who will then form part of the the, the solving of the problem rather than than persisting with a a life and a career of crime. So we're a long way away from it and there's no um, easy answers to it. But I think a lot of those you know, health interventions as well can be very, very successful. If you have somebody who is obviously addicted, they are going to get involved in crime because there's very few people that earn enough money to pay for an addiction to cocaine or to heroin or whatever it is. So to try and kind of steer them back to a healthier road and away from their addiction before they go too far can be beneficial and probably very much cost saving. Because the prison system, it costs a lot of money to keep somebody in prison. And while many people get benefits in prison, a lot of people don't. They just sort of drift further into criminality. Yeah, so, so for, from experience and from what you see, that the, the preventative approach is what you see to be the future. It's, it's, it's that it's preventative and then in terms of obviously rehabilitation as opposed to long-term prison system. Yeah, most definitely. And like even some people I've spoken to who... Simple things like they may have done an anger management course and it's worked for them because, I mean, I'm sure people can do anger management courses and they're at a place in their life where it won't work for them in the same way as detox and various other things like that. But some of them, when it does work, when it sinks in, 
they then go forward and each situation they approach, they're less likely to use violence in it, which is less likely to kind of result in feuding and ongoing situations like that. Like in many communities in the States and Australia, there are sort of mediators properly employed within communities to try and stop a lot of this feuding before it begins and within certain cultural communities and all the rest of it, that they're actually, and they're from within. Um, it's never an outsider that can do that role. It always has to be somebody from within their community that they will be culturally equal to as, you know, as much as anything else. So there's all sorts of different ways, but, you know, then we just throw money into policing we lock everybody up and it just keeps going it can be a little bit um even covering it it can be just overwhelming at times because it sometimes seems hopeless but i think speaking to people in community groups and that i often wonder how they continue when yet another generation of kids is coming up and they always say that even just one success story is enough to keep them going and you beat me to pretty much where I was going to go with this, which was back to you a little bit in terms of the, the job and, and being overwhelmed by what you cover, because what you cover as a topic is is phenomenally fascinating. I would imagine it's heavy. Absolutely. And do you ever get times where you have been overwhelmed when putting a story together or researching a story? Obviously, you can't tell me what the stories are, but just in terms of I'm, no. I'm fascinated by what the by, you know, what you find with, with the job that you do. I find some some of the stories, I mean, in the past, I've had to kind of move away from reporting on. I, fi I find personally reporting on child sex abuse horrific. I, I really find that takes a huge toll and I don't I'm because it does. I'm not much good at it. Um, so I have to just kind of walk away from that and leave that to the people who, who seem to be able to. Um, but yet. I don't get overwhelmed by necessarily the stories. I just, you know, like everybody, you just get to a point where you need a break because when you get tired of it, you're not doing your best. You're not probably very interesting to listen to when you're tired and you're, you know, in need of a holiday. Um, but just like everybody else, really, I mean, it is essentially a job just like any other one. Would you say it's a job that you have, and addiction is probably the wrong word to use, but are strongly, you're obviously very passionate about it. Yeah, no, I wouldn't think I would be addicted to it. I'd like to think at some stage I'm going to walk away from it and never look back and move to the west of Ireland and <laughs> run a coffee shop or something like that. Maybe not that, but something anyway, very different. Do you, do you find it stressful? I don't find it stressful, which is why I can do really? it. Really? Yeah, I kind of actually think that I've no scientific proof of this, but I actually think I'm somebody who can deal with stress quite well um, I don't you know I can speak to people who are being overwhelmed by things and I, I think gosh that wouldn't bother me in the slightest and maybe it's because I have had some very high stress experiences maybe that lowers your you know your reaction to, it, yeah. to maybe yeah your tolerance to it or whatever but yeah I don't usually look sometimes like any job there are times it can be stressful um, you know, if something happens, if I get something wrong or if, you know, if there's something going on that's a little bit too close to home, that could be a bit stressful. But by and large, I don't find it stressful. I find it interesting and intriguing. And I find the people I speak to interesting and intriguing. And, you know, we learn something new every day from them. And chat me through, how would you describe yourself then? 
how how in, as as a as a person, hard working goes without without without. It's an obvious one, but would you say that you are courageous? For example, would be a word I I would that would spring to mind certainly from from following you for a long long time. No, I don't really like sort of describing myself in I any figured of those that. That's why I terms. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I leave that to somebody else. But uh, um, no, I do. I don't feel that I'm just not. I'm not somebody now who'd be comfortable sort of, uh, you know, describing myself in glowing terms in any way, shape, or form. I just you just do what you do. Do what and I do love it exactly. Yeah, I do love it. And I mean, I love loads of other things as well. I don't, I suppose people only really hear me when I'm talking about crime. And, you know, therefore, it's the same way as probably yourself. Like people think that you're just, you do nothing yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, you've that one dimensional. And health and yeah. all. But, you know, like we all have other things in our lives which are vastly different to what we do in our jobs. And um, I love loads of things. I love cycling. I have my pal Jared to keep me going on my <laughs> little workouts and stuff like that. Um, no, I like loads of things. I have loads of friends all over the world. I love visiting. I love travel. I love adventure. I love uh, eating out. I love drinking wine. I love loads of things that have nothing to do with crime. <laughs> yeah, so that that's your balance then in terms of, you know, and again, it, 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 it's that how do you, how do you, the escapism from what you do and you go, you know, that they're your, your, your escape, your ways of escaping. Chat to me around the podcast then. So is, is podcasting the future in terms of, you know, in terms of where the world is going? Do you enjoy doing, do you enjoy doing yeah. the podcasts? I do actually, I really, really like them. I did, um, made a podcast over the last couple of years when we were in lockdown, that awful word, I'm going to give up saying that in 2022. <laughs> Um, I'll just make up another word for it, but uh, did a podcast called The Witness. Yeah, it was amazing. Words, I used to listen to it when I was on my book. runs and it was spectacular, did, spectacular. Absolutely. Yeah. Really enjoyed that because and, and seeing how it evolved, because that was just very different. That I mean, look, like yourself, my own podcast, Crime World, is me interviewing somebody else. So um, that's, you know, a slightly different thing. The, the putting together a 10 part and trying to create a way of bringing a narrative through and, and, you know, expecting people to to give that much of their time to you to listen to this. It's like writing a book, really, and it's the structure of it and everything that is so important. So I actually quite like that challenge. Um, and as regards Crime World, I just I love Crime World because I get to do what I want to do and I get to talk <laughs> to who I want to talk to. And I identify somebody, you know, like somewhere in the world that I like and I just bring them on and chat to them and ask them the questions I want to ask them. So there's know, something very, it. yeah, there is podcast has a host. You can do that. It's your baby and you can very much, it's yours and you can ask what you it's. Yeah. It's there's, it, there's less, very much there's so. less limitations on it. Yeah. And I think the other thing about it is it gives you a little bit of like, I think podcasting has to be, like the listener has to connect with you a little bit. So, you know, usually crime journalism is just very, you know, if I do interviews on TV or on radio or anything, there isn't any laughs in it, is there? Let's be honest. <laughs> but on crime world, you can kind of slightly bring a little bit of humor in sometimes when it's appropriate. Obviously, there's plenty of times it's not appropriate, but I like being able to just throw a little bit of myself into it as well. And um, I think that has... 
allowed me to come across maybe as a little bit warmer than than previous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because definitely the the written world word is quite cold and the audio is exactly the opposite. And I do think it's the future of journalism. I think that um, there is, I think we're on the move so much more. And obviously we have, we're transitioning rather. There's still a huge amount of print sales out there, but a lot of us are transitioning to the online, to taking our media, you know, online. I actually subscribe to a number of newspapers and get them in the morning. You know, I'll read them on my phone and that. Um, I still buy a newspaper every now and then if I've time on a Saturday or a Sunday I will and I like to sit back with a coffee and flick through the pages but I think the audio is when we're out doing our cycling and our walking and just even pottering around the house I'm listening to podcasts all the time I love them yeah I, I on my runs it's what it, it's absolutely yeah it's what I listen to cold case uh, files and then the witness yeah. and all of that because I just find that I can drift away and yes it, yeah, and plus you get you get the personality component of the person, which I think is really important. Uh, and does it, do, uh, did it scare you making the jump into presenting, hosting, as opposed to writing? Was that a scary leap? No, it didn't at all, because actually, and I have to credit Eamon Dunphy, like he had the stand up and running for mm-hmm. years. I mean, I really admire him at his age and stage, not to age you, Eamon, but... <laughs> his age and stage of his career that he was amongst the first to see what podcasting was. And I started going in to studio to do uh, the crime stuff with Eamon. He obviously does a lot of politics and sports and everything else, but I was doing a lot of the crime stuff and it was proving very popular. And I think he taught me to just relax and to, you know, that it was okay to relax. I was particularly sort of uptight with crime because you can just insult people. So, quickly and easily without meaning to in any way, shape or form by the tone of your voice, sometimes in photographs or on documentaries. I have my face goes into a natural smirk sometimes. <laughs> it's my resting face, maybe. But, um, you know, and you can just see that that can insult people, which when you don't mean for mm-hmm. a second to be that way. But I think he sort of taught me to relax a bit and to enjoy the subject the way I did rather than being so uptight about presenting it or telling it and um, so when I picked up the microphone myself I definitely felt relaxed about it and I have I have Dunphy to credit for that we had him on I think it was December maybe two years ago in a similar life lessons kind of app from his house it was fascinating it was fascinating yeah. it was absolutely it was he was great he was great crack but he was also really interesting you know he had a really, he had a really yeah. interesting story and I suppose approach. He's very kind person. Absolutely, as well. oh, he was. He was really fantastic. kind to younger people and very encouraging. And he's one of those people that would never begrudge you anything. And looking back, you know, I always ask people this question when we do this type of show: uh, advice your twenty-year-old self on, on reflection. Well, I can't say that. On, like, I, there's no way I could say that publicly. <laughs> Fair would you advise yourself to go down the same route that you've taken? There we go. I'll steer it that way. Okay, yeah, we'll stick it to career. Um, <laughs> n- maybe not. I wouldn't actually. Okay. No, I probably wouldn't. But wow. so, but maybe you should never have the facility, and that's why we don't have the facility because you never know what adventure you're going on. I mean, I would have been like probably most twenty-year-olds, um, and maybe I'm still a little bit that way. I just take opportunities when they come. I don't think too much about them. I don't like 
If I needed to buy a new sofa, I would walk into the shop and buy a new bloody sofa. I know loads of people who'll spend hours, you know, investigating prices and all this on the Internet. I wouldn't dream of doing that. I can be very impulsive and just and I'm always happy with the decision I make. Okay. So you, you back um, yourself. Yeah, just that's the way I kind of look. Sometimes you'll make a mistake and you go, why did I say yes to this or why did I do that? But by and large, it's always stood to me to be like that. So I'm glad I can't go back to my 20 year old self because now as that more mature seeing the kind of uh, maybe some dangers I faced over the years, I would say to I would certainly if I had a 20 year old daughter, shall I say, I'd be saying no way are you going into this job, go and do something much more sensible and um safe <laughs> and what would you what if you didn't do what you're currently doing what would you do or what would you have done yeah i've no idea is the coffee shop in the west of ireland the dream no 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 i just don't know I, it'll come to me do you know that in the same way everything kind of comes to me or comes along i just reckon that someday i will be going along and it'll hit me what i'm going to do next and that's the way it'll happen for the moment i'm still happy um, doing this crime gig and this emerging, evolving crime gig. It's definitely helped, I think, that this whole new world of podcasting has opened up uh, along with the writing job and, and the books and all the rest of it. But it's kept it interesting. And in a way, I think that's what journalism is and was. And maybe my personality was rightly married to the job because I find it difficult to sit still long enough to get my hair cut. I just constantly want to move on to the next thing. And journalists are a bit like that. There's always something new around the corner or new the next day. And we have a tendency, we, I hope I am speaking for more than myself, but we have a ten- tendency to know a little bit about a lot. Um, but, you know, we don't spend too much time lingering on on things. We just move on. So, And for people tuning in, is that the advice that you give them? Which is, you know, back yourself, go for it, just take the opportunities when they come and, you know, just put play, play Maybe on. tune into your own personality because some people need to worry and some people need to think that a decision is right before they make it. Um, and they need to investigate every other avenue before they are, you know, they come to a decision or what they're going to do. And otherwise they'll never be happy doing it if they haven't investigated all these other avenues. But I don't know whether it's my makeup, my genetic makeup or whatever it is, I would be somebody who probably would have jumped in into the deep end without being able to swim and just worked out as I hit the bottom what I'd do next. And it's worked out well, absolutely. (laughs) If people want to tune into the podcast, tell us us where it is. It's everywhere you get your podcasts, like your own. It's uh, Crime World. It's part of the Media House stable, like uh, like your own, Carl. And, um, you know, it's... There in the charts as well on uh, Apple, iTunes, on Spotify, or everywhere, podcast. anywhere you get your podcast. Yeah, it's everywhere, absolutely there. exactly. Nicola, it's been wonderful getting to chat to you. Uh, it really, I, I, it, people will be surprised that we had you on the show, and I think they'll, they'll realize, having listened to the, the episode now, why you've had a fascinating career. Lots of really interesting tips for people, and uh, have a lovely Christmas with your lovely Christmas tree in the background. It's very festive <laughs> altogether. It really is. Great. Happy Christmas. Folks, that is it for another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. As ever, you know where we are, at Carl Henry PT on Twitter and on Instagram and realhealthindependent.ie. Have a wonderful Christmas and we'll see you in a couple of days. So long.
Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.